Welcome to the Mystery of History podcast with the author Linda LaCour Hobar. The Mystery of History is an award-winning world history curriculum for all ages. This pre-recorded podcast is designed for parents and teachers seeking direction, encouragement, and inspiration for home and education from a biblical worldview. And now your hostess, Linda LaCour Hobar. Hello, friends. I am frequently asked, when is the best time to use the mystery of history? In fact, I am asked this so often that I thought it warranted a podcast. Now, in quick summary, there's no right or wrong answer to when to use our program, because any time is a good time to study world history. However, there are some variables to consider. Certainly, there are some best practices that you may want to think about. So, I have 10 points to make today. Let's dive right in. Number one, there certainly is great value in teaching our four volumes in the order that they were written because each era provides foundational understanding to set up the next era. If you're new and you just don't know what our four volumes contain, let me quickly tell you, Volume 1 covers ancient times. That's where we weave Bible history and world history together. We try to give students a solid biblical foundation for what all of history is about. Volume 2, that's the early church in the Middle Ages, and it uniquely blends church history and medieval times to show us how the world was changed by the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ, who literally marks time. We count time by his death and resurrection. Volume 3 is the Renaissance Reformation. They show us how man kind of grew up after the Middle Ages. You see, it's like he went his way for a time, but also returned to a strong faith by God's drawing. Oh, I like to look at the Renaissance and Reformation as like two parallel train tracks. It's kind of the best of man on one side, the best of God on the other, and they can run parallel or they can collide. They will do both in the Renaissance Reformation. And last, Volume 4, that's Modern History. And I'm not sure it could be fully appreciated without the previous eras. For example, the religious wars of the Reformation, they are going to greatly shape how students will see American history that's found in Volume 4. And it's going to influence how students see what our founders had in mind. Think about it for a minute. The state church in Europe during the Renaissance Reformation, it was... Hmm, like off with your head if you were of a different faith in the king or the queen. So yes, that led our founding fathers to establish a new land with new rules and some idea of separation of church and state. Let me insert a personal story here to make this, uh, I don't know, a bit more tangible. I will never forget the time when I took my first trip to Philadelphia. This was a few years ago now. And like every other tourist, I just wandering around in my blue jeans and tennis shoes, and I went to see the Liberty Bell. Now, I expected to enjoy it immensely, but I didn't expect what happened to me that day. I'm passing the bell like everyone else, but I wept. I had tears rolling down my face. And this happened to me the second time I went. Same thing. Because keep in mind, about the time I'm looking at that Liberty Bell, I had just been studying and writing about the Reformation. And so I knew the stories of religious persecution. I knew about the martyrs in Great Britain and in France and other parts of the world who didn't have religious freedom. So when I saw that Liberty Bell, it brought all that to me. 
I'll just say, yes, learning about some eras in history before others is going to make a difference. So keep it in order when you can. Now, here's my next point. Number two, one advantage to teaching our volumes in order is it also relates to cause and effect. A great example of that is the collapse of the Western Roman Empire. Think about that. You've got the powerful, this mighty Roman Empire. We've all heard this stories, but it will collapse. And after it had been in place for 500 years, when it collapsed, that truly would usher in a time period we call the Dark Ages. Because the way of life in Europe, it's as if it went backwards for a while. And former citizens of the Roman Empire, well, they had to ease their way into feudalism just to survive. It's where small communities clustered together. They aimed to be self-sustaining. They tried to be self-governed with their own little kings. And of course, they needed knights to protect them. You know, the knights of the Middle Ages, it's as if they replaced the soldiers of Rome. Personally, I think those knights did a better job. They introduced chivalry. All right, number three, when thinking about the mystery of history, keep in mind our volumes break the rules because unlike traditional school books, every volume is designed for all ages, at least with some tweaking. And this is where the heart of a homeschool mom that I am course, I'm retired now, but I educated my children at home for 17 years. So I saw the value of this family-oriented approach. Anyway, the secret to the mystery of history for all ages really comes through with the activities. We offer something to do for younger, middle, and older students with every lesson that they read. So sure, picture the whole family enjoying a story like Let's go with Hannibal crossing the Alps on elephants. It's a fabulous story of Roman history. Hannibal is from Carthage across the Mediterranean from Rome. He wants to conquer the Romans, but rather than sail there, he will march through the Strait of Gibraltar over the Swiss Alps and attack the Romans from the north. All right, it's this amazing story, and he uses war elephants, but they don't do very well. Elephants don't cross Alps very well. They're going to fall to their death and freeze. So let's say the whole family's enjoying that story. I don't feel like the little guys can quite get over the elephants. So they get to pretend to have a pet elephant for the day and talk about the caretaking, what elephants need. Whereas the middle student, the one who's a little bit more mature, he has to write a diary page pretending that he is one of those caretakers of the elephants and describe how they uh, found them again, you know, breathing and slipping on the ice and such, where the older student, we're talking about high school now, they have to do something completely different. The older student needs to write a short synopsis on the Punic Wars because this story of Hannibal crossing the Alps is just one of uh, uh, one story out of three Punic Wars. So I do want that older students to have this larger context. The little kids don't need to know that. The older one does. Well, let's move on. Point number four, since we're talking about the whole family, let's talk about how this works best. I want you to picture your oldest student in the family being the pace setter and then allow the younger ones to just file in and join and tag along, literally. So I want you to keep the whole family in the same 
time period. So many advantages to that. For one, you're going to make memories as they work together. And yeah, sometimes they're going to squabble too, but they're all together for, say, the big projects for the medieval feast or the tournament or the renaissance. But also it makes life easier for you, the, the parent, the teacher. So we love to see the whole family in ancient times at the same time or in medieval or modern, rather than saying your second graders in ancient times while your fifth graders in medieval or your 10th grader in modern. That would be so hard on you. So yes, allow the younger and middle to tag along without concern for the years that they're getting history because eventually it will all work out. Number five, another important thing to consider about the mystery of history specifically is the ability to repeat volumes and time periods. So here's what I mean. Let's say you did start our program with a second grader. This younger student, they're just being introduced to world history, and they're primarily going to use their senses, at least in all those activities. They get to dye things and burn things and eat things and act things. So through their senses, they're being introduced to history. They're not yet connecting the dots. But let's pretend this same student, three or four years later, goes back to a volume, and now they're 11 and yes, they will see the story differently. You know, that middle student, they, they're the ones with this aha moment when they start connecting dots. And from what we receive in fan mail, we know 11-year-olds are our biggest fans. I think there is something so special about that age. They are old enough to grasp evil. They know it's no longer just good guys, bad guys, but that there really was a Hitler. So they're old enough to get that. But I think they're young enough to want to change the world and make it a better place. They're not yet um, a skeptic. So they're passionate about world history. But anyway, let's go back to that 11-year-old. Let's say they're able to repeat a volume in high school that maybe they learned as a younger or middle student. And by then, that older student will be diving deeper and addressing apologetics, solidifying their worldview. They're being prepared for citizenship. You know, they're the next voting generation. So yes, what these three age groups get at any given time from a history lesson is different. So repeat the volumes when and if you can. Maybe they get one time through, maybe two times through, but no matter their age, it can be a great adventure. And think about the classical education model that follows the trivium where you have those three stages of learning, grammar, logic, rhetoric. That's really what you see through our activities. Now, some who feel that they came late to our program are going to struggle and worry about getting all the volumes in, but I'll come back to that. There are some ways to shortcut if that's you. I'd like to move on now to talk about American history. Now, I cover a lot of American history in The Mystery of History, but I don't believe I teach enough American history to replace a high school credit. So students will want to turn to another program for that. But I do want to talk about when you might be inserting American. There's lots of options. Some American families will enjoy American history at an elementary level once or twice because of all the sites you could visit. Field trips galore are out there for every state, so that's helpful. 
Next, some are going to enjoy American history between volumes three and four because of what I just shared about the Reformation as a backdrop, that story of me and the Liberty Bell. So it may be most meaningful for some to drop American between volumes three and four. Next, some are going to want to see their volume three in eighth grade so that in ninth, they do follow with American history at the same time they're ready to count it as a high school credit. That's something to consider. Another thought, some would rather save American history for their senior year if dual enrollment is an option. As a testimony, our daughter was ready for that when she was a senior. She, as a senior, took American history for dual enrollment, got credit for high school and college, and got her a little bit ahead in college. So some will want to save American history just because they can, because there's an offering in their area. So do consider that. And last, let me say that a good teacher, an ambitious teacher, certainly could take our volumes three and four and just add to it and derive an American history credit. You know whether or not you're that person. We do not advertise our program that way, but it happens all the time. Let's take your free-spirited family that isn't concerned about an exact blueprint, and that family can add in American history. Maybe it's the family that's traveling the United States in an RV. I love it when that happens. So make your outline, make it work if you're that family. Number seven, let's talk about volume four specifically and why it might be best to save it for last, particularly as a high school world history credit. Now, big picture, our goal with all of our materials is to prepare students for life and for the world. And I can't think of a better topic than modern world history to do this. Here's why. In volume four, students are going to learn about the isms of history. What are those? Well, there's capitalism, Marxism, socialism, communism, fascism, Nazism, Darwinism, Nietzscheism, terrorism, and on and on it goes. These isms really have got to be understood to preserve liberty, to fight against tyranny. It is a matter of life or death. When you consider the track record of dictators like Joseph Stalin or Mao Zedong or Hitler, who allowed millions to die in the name of totalitarianism. So, you know, the old adage, if you want to repeat history, just ignore it. If you want to change history, study it. Yes, I feel strong about this. But let me say, studying modern history in high school, it does require a paradigm shift because most of us grew up where we had a whole year of world history in high school that went all the way back to ancient times, right? Did you have that kind of book? You had one high school world history book that contained ancient, medieval, the Renaissance, the Reformation, and modern history all in one year. Well, first of all, that made that book rather boring because then there's not room for the stories that make history interesting. You're putting too much in one book, lots and lots of facts, very little stories about people. But second, the chances are that when you're in that kind of book in high school, the chances are all of a sudden it's time to graduate. And the teachers run out of time for true modern history. They're lucky to get up to World War II, and then it's like, time's up. The student's crossing the stage to get a diploma. But 
Our Mystery of History Volume 4, it starts at 1708, contains three centuries, and goes up to 2014. So that means that the last 22 chapters, they are dedicated just to the last 75 years of history. So students who can get through that are going to cover the Cold War, the formation of Israel, China, Cuba, as in the Cuban Missile Crisis in the Bay of Pigs. They're going to get the division of North and South Korea, the story of Afghanistan, Iraq, the formation of Iran, and the Ayatollah, the war on terror, etc., etc. All things that really we need to know to understand today's headlines. So think about that paradigm shift and don't be afraid to just go straight to modern history for your high school credit. It's of great value. Number eight. I wanted my listeners to know that if you're a more visual learner, there is a chart that you can print. It's right on my website. If you go to themysteryofhistory.com, go to the tab labeled resources and drop down to how to use our curriculum. And there's a couple of other ways to get to the same place. There is a printable chart about scope and sequence. And what it's going to reveal is that, again, It'll show you ways to get through all four volumes of the Mystery of History once or twice, no matter what year you're starting. So if you can start when they're younger, work your way up, great. means you might have time to repeat a volume or two or three at a comfortable pace. By the middle years, let's say if you started in fifth grade, you might just be getting through once or once and a half. Uh, But if you start when they're older because you just found the program, well, to get to all those volumes, you may want to tackle just volumes three and four each a year at a time, counting them as high school credits. But you can back up and get volumes one and two either as a short read through maybe in the summer or listening to our audiobooks. They're a great way to shortcut. And do remember your required credits for high school usually include one world history credit one American history credit, half a credit of government, and half a credit of economics, filling up three units out of four for high school. But I prefer to give two credits of world history, but of course I would. I'm the author of the Mystery of History, but give them two if you can, like our volumes three and four. Now, number nine, if you have pulled up our chart, you'll see that I also dropped in a few other history-related subjects just to think about adding in the blanks I provide. So some of those might be social studies when they're younger, American history, state history, geography. I certainly recommend Tyler Hogan's North Star Geography. It's very good material if you need to add in some standalone geography. Yes, there's lots of flexibility, but I want you to be thinking long-term. Use the paper we provided. There's also a video. Use it as a, a guide map just to help you reach your destination without quite so many obstacles. Think long-term. Think about high school and then work your way back. Sure, you might make your finish line without the map, but this might make it easier, at least to give you some vision and confidence. When I'm at conventions and I hand this chart out to friends I'm talking to, their eyes light up because they are excited to be thinking about crossing the finish line. So pull that up and print it. Number 10, I'm going to end on this. When it's all said and done, I want you to remember that the mystery of history is a living subject. Let me expand on what that means. It's not uncommon in educational circles to hear about the scope and sequence of a curriculum or subject. We use the same terminology. Scope refers to the overview of skills being taught. It's the content itself, like grammar, 
And then sequence refers to the order that those skills or content is taught. Like in grammar, you would certainly learn about nouns and verbs before you'd learn sentences, and you would learn how to write a sentence before you'd be expected to master a paragraph. Well, all that's good and fine, but subjects differ where scope and sequence really matter. Because sure, in skill-based subjects like math, it matters quite a bit. Those are stair-step in nature. Certainly, a student can't advance to a certain level without mastery of a former level. A student can't master subtraction without the knowledge of addition, and they certainly couldn't divide without knowing something about multiplication. So your stair-step, skill-based subjects, which could include math, some language arts, technical science, even maybe some foreign languages, in those subjects, scope and sequence is very important. But there are a host of subjects that I nickname living subjects that are not skill-based. They do not require mastery for advancement. And world history is one of those living subjects. So is Bible, earth science, maybe some literature. Students of all ages can deep dive into most of these subjects at any given time. Enjoy them, relish them, learn from them, apply them to life. So despite all the good points I gave you in one through nine, I do want to assure you, you can enjoy any volume of the mystery of history at any time. Now, I say that because some of you find yourselves in a conundrum. Your, your co-op is offering volume three, but you haven't yet co covered volume two and you're hesitant. I would say join anyway, because you can always come back to a different volume. You could always listen by audiobook to an era you might be skipping. I'd like you to keep your eye on the prize. Join that appealing co-op if that's what you need to be in. If you had your eye on it, don't skip it just because the order's not quite right. Now, I will say, if you're an independent family and you plan on staying that way, well, by all means, keep these volumes in order the best that you can with your eye on the oldest student, thinking about the oldest student's credits and letting the younger ones tag along. It does work. That's the beauty of educating your whole family at one time at home. Well, friends, I do hope these ideas have been helpful. If you feel like you need individual guidance, good news, we have counselors. You can find them on our website. Just reach out to us. We'll have somebody who can either email you or call you because we know there's lots of questions. This journey isn't that easy, but it's beautiful and it's a high calling. And we commend you for trying to teach at home. Thanks for listening. For the sake of the mystery, I'm Linda LaCour Hobart. Thank you for listening to the Mystery of History podcast with Linda LaCour Hobar. For more information on our curriculum or for additional resources like games, video lectures, and self-paced courses, visit themysteryofhistory.com, a one-stop shop for chronological, Christian, complete world history for all ages.